Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. You know, as choir was singing, I sat there and I was just thinking, as a father, as, as a parent, if you have a child and you're telling your child about how all your exploits and all your, all your awesomeness and all the things that you have done, and that child says, Daddy, you're just a liar. You couldn't have done that. It's not, it's not you. How would we feel? How would we feel? But in essence, this is how we are to God. Even though he has shown how great he is, he gives breath to even the littlest of insects. And yet when he says his word, we still say, no, we don't believe he can do it. Our message this morning is more or less a cliche. It's what we've been talking about from the beginning of the year. And it's, it's something that God wants us to know, to hear it, to know it, until the point that we believe it and we walk in it. Because he has not just said it for sake of talking. He is known to the business of chit-chatting. He says and he does because he goes with power and authority. Hebrews 4, Hebrews chapter 4, if you can put it up on the screen for me, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. It says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as unto them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 6, it says, since therefore it remains, that some must enter it, and those whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Because of disobedience. This scripture is telling us that our best days are still ahead of us. Our best days are still ahead of us. And it doesn't matter what we went through in the last year, whether you received a form of blessing, which we all did. But he says the best is yet to come. How do I know this? Even as we are seated here this morning, ask yourself, because God only respects purpose. He's a respecter of purpose. And that's why we were created. If... He didn't have a bigger 
and a better for you. We will not be existing anymore. If this was the end, if this was the best of what he could have done for us, there's no need for us to be here no more. The purpose would have been completed. It would have been accomplished. But you are still here because truly he believes, not he believes, he has said that bigger and better is our portion this year. But it is determinant on your belief, on your faith, so that the word may profit you. Sorry, it's a bit hot here this morning. I was dressing up for the cameras. <laughs> so that when I watch it back, I say, mm, it's, looking good. it's looking good. But I'm sweating. So I don't think I'm sweating because I'm not having what to say. <laughs> that scripture says we should enter into his rests. The rest in that scripture could be defined as into his glory. Into his glory. Into his splendor. Into his presence. Into his riches. Or as pastor would put it, into his bigger and better. My little sister, Evelyn, sometime last, towards the end of last year, she shared a testimony. It just blew my mind. And I wonder, when she started, I wondered, is this a testimony? She said she came out to testify to the things that she did not receive. I don't know if she applied for something and she didn't get it. So when she said that, I thought, so where's the testimony? But the testimony was beyond my imagination. It was the understanding that even though she didn't receive that, it was simply because God had bigger and better waiting for her. And that's the light, that's how we should think it. And when Pope came at the end of the year and he said, this is going to be our year of bigger and better, I know God had spoken to him. It was an obvious statement that God was saying where he intends to take us to is not where we are. But to achieve that, we need to also operate in a bigger and better faith. So if there's anything anyone has lost in the last year, you need not cry over it. Because God says in his word, he says his promise still remains. The promise remains. I don't know how you define your remains. It could mean that there's still more to come. It could mean that what you were expecting was not even the one. That your blessing is still to come. I know for some people, we had 10 marriages last year. Someone might have thought, I didn't get mine. 
Some might have said, the man or the woman came into my life and walked away. Great, if they did. You need to understand that that man, that woman, is not your blessing. Your blessing is the marriage, not the man. So even though the man or the woman left, your blessing remains. God will form another man, another woman, and give it to you. That blessing must, he, might, he or she might be the carrier of the blessing, but your blessing is not built on the man, nor the woman. It is built on God. So your blessing is still intact. It says it remains. It hasn't gone. So don't cry over what has left. Thank God. Throw a party and say thank God for getting rid of whatever it was. Tell your neighbor, God has better for me. He has bigger for me. And having this knowledge, it excites me. It makes me happy. It's telling me that my best days are yet to come. It says to me that the best jobs are yet to come for me. In fact, it tells me that I have not even preached my best message yet. That my best message is yet to come. The house, many people bought houses last year. Thank God for the houses. The houses that were bought are old and it is not a reflection of what God has for you. It is a shadow. Listen to what the scripture says. It says, my eyes have not seen, neither has my, heard, my ears heard, neither has it entered into the heart of any man. The things that God has in store for you. What is a shadow? If that house is a shadow of what God has for you, listen, if I stand under the light, the reflection is not a portrayal of me. It has nothing to do with how I look. You can't see my eyes. You can't see my face. You can't see my one pack. You can't see nothing. <laughs> if you fall in love with a shadow, you are only deceiving yourself. Because if you think that house is the best house for you, it's best you pack your load and move to heaven. God says, your eyes have not seen the sort of mansions that he has in store for you. So your best is yet to come. It hasn't arrived yet. When I was a child, I was only three years old when I moved from Nigeria to Belgium. And I spent like 11 years abroad. I lost my mother tongue. And I picked up French and English. What a combination. How many of you have heard Arsene Wenger speak English? <laughs> so I moved back to, to my home country. And every time I go to school and I talk, people looked at me that I talked funny. I was ridiculed, I was mocked, I was bullied. And every time I would have to go to school and people would look at me and talk to me in a way that as if I, I, I was a nobody, I didn't fit in. I tried to fit in, I couldn't fit in because they found me strange. And so I started to develop unholy thoughts within myself. 
thought that in this current time and age, people jump in front of trains. People commit suicide. But the problem with committing suicide is that you kill your future over your past. But God has better for your future. So don't kill your past. Don't, don't, don't kill yourself over your past because when you do that, you kill your future. And God is saying that your best still remains. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. Whatever thoughts you might have, carrying the same issues for years and years and years and years. God's saying, let it go. What I have in store for you is ahead of you. Is in front of you. Well, Rabbi, if God has better for me, how come I don't have it? Why do I not have it? You keep saying it. That's why I said it's become like a cliche, isn't it? You keep telling me. But what you need to understand is you don't have it because better is a process that we need to prepare for. No organization who wants to do a better job than what they had last year will just keep running the same way. They sit down, they plan towards it. They prepare for the, for the bigger and better. For you to receive your bigger and better, it's because God is preparing you for it. Because there are times when you give things to someone who's not prepared for it, when you give your bigger and better to someone who is not prepared for it, it's calamity. There is no way I will give my child, David, a six-year-old boy, the keys to his mother's car. It's not a, it's not a blessing. It's a blessing. It's a graduation from his little toy car to a real car. <laughs> is he prepared for that sort of blessing? No. So at times we have not received our bigger and better, maybe because we are not yet prepared for it. And God is getting us ready for it. And this year you will receive your bigger and better in the name of Jesus. Because God is trying to make us fit into what he's built. Trust me, your bigger and better is already prepared. How many of you believe that? In 2010, 2019 was formed, wasn't it, sir? It was already formed. We had to prepare ourselves to get into 2019. But it was already formed. Your blessings are already made. So it's not that God is now waiting for you to prepare. No, he has prepared. He's waiting for you to fit in to what he has prepared for you. Cutting you to size so you can fit that which he has prepared.
And that's how I needed it. Everything that I have been through, I needed it. I needed it. Can I dare say that my pastor needed everything he's been through? Because when you go through some things, it might not make sense to you while you are going through it. But God has a plan for your future. He knows that everything you've been through is needed so that you can fit into that which he has prepared for you. Moses was a typical example. When Moses was born, there was a decree by Pharaoh for his head. And it was funny how God did it. That it was even his own daughter that catered for him. For 40 years, 40 years he was schooled in Egypt. It wasn't a waste of time. God had a bigger plan for Moses. He said, one day you will lead my people. And for what you are going to need to lead them, you can't learn it sucking the breast milk of your servant's mother. Because all she will teach you is to think like a slave. So he put you in Egypt to learn as a king. To lead people. Because the people I'm going to give to you are not people that will be easy to lead. You need to think like a king. You need to be strong and courageous and bold and honorable. And so for 40 years, he put him there to learn. Talking about being a good manager. And after that, he took him out and sent him into the wilderness for another 40 years to learn under Jethro. He learned how to take care of sheep, how to be humble, how to take all sorts of rubbish that his people would bring to him. Because God knows he needed both trainings. Just study the book of Moses, or Exodus. Read about Moses. And you would see what he had to go through to lead the people. We talk about how God, 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 God was patient. God, was, God is God. Man. <laughs> I think from day one, wouldn't have gone too far. I sent them back to Egypt. <laughs> I can't do this. But God was preparing him. God said to him, I have it bigger and better for you. But look at how long it took. Thank God he was patient enough to understand and discern that God was training him and building him up so that he can attain the promise. Lest the promise leave us. I dare say to you that you need to hurry up in your trainings because your wife is waiting on you. Your husband is waiting on you. That job that God has designed for you is waiting on you and you cannot get it with the way you are until you change into the form that God has designed you to be in. Your ministry is waiting on you. 
until you are perfect in the eyes of God. To see that he can, you have formed, he has formed you, has, you have taken the, the, the training he has given unto you before he can put you there, lest you destroy what he has intended for you. And then we'll come back and say, God, you are not a good God. You gave it to me, didn't you? Like Adam did. So you've got to go. You've got to move. Increase your pace. There are many things that the pastor has put in place for us to grow as Christians. Ministry, ministry trainings, believers trainings, all sorts of trainings, all for our own good. When we ask you, when we're begging you, at times, honestly, and I'm being very candid, I don't want to beg people. It's for your good. It's not for me. Why force the horse to, to drink water? You don't want to drink water, let's see go. Is it? If you're drinking, is it entering my own belly? Having to cajole you to find sweet words. No, 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 no. Sorry, I'm of a different temperament to others. I'm sure most of you know that already. <laughs> I say my head is big. <laughs> if it means cutting off people that are slowing you down, Cut them off. Let me tell you something. Some people like it the way you are. Some people only love you the way they met you. You are poor, you are broke. That's how they like you. They now call yourself a um, gathering of poor people. And you see, you are working with my friend, with my friend. The moment you say, I want to be better, they say, no, 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 no. It's not good. So let's just stay together. Listen, they are depriving you of your bigger and better. You need to cut them loose. I don't care how close they are to you. Yes, you might cry when you cut them loose. But while you are crying, just keep moving forward. Because you need to attain that promise. That scripture. Can you put that scripture on the board for me, please? Please let us see Jesus. You see God. Hebrews chapter 4. Put 1 to 2. People don't want you to improve. They want to see you the way you are. But the scripture says that bigger and better awaits you. And you cannot afford to miss out on your promise. You cannot afford to miss out on your promise. Look at it. This is one of the few times that the Lord tells us to fear. He says to fear something that he has left for us, that we should fall short of it. Now, it's one thing for you not to get it because it's not yours. But it's another thing for you not to get it because you're slothful. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12 says that you do not become a slug, you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. At times, your bigger and better may not come, but I pray ours will come in the name of Jesus.
But if you are slothful and sluggish about it, you are just keep moving it forward. When people are receiving this in 2019, you'll be saying, but God, why me? Why not you? It should be me. He has put everything, designed everything. All you need to do is just make yourself available. But we have to talk, 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 talk. Like now I'm talking, my mouth is dry. <laughs> it's not easy to preach. <laughs> I don't mind getting, not getting your own things. I don't care about your own blessings. I'm too busy asking God to give me all my own blessings. All my joy, all my peace, all my wealth, all my power. Scripture says the power, the glory belongs to God. So everything, every portion of it that belongs to me, Lord, let it fall to me. And yours will fall to you in the name of Jesus. You wouldn't need to cheat for it. You don't need to be like Jacob and deceive to receive it. Scripture says he will give it to you. Now, I'm talking about a prepared blessing for a prepared people. A prepared blessing for a prepared people. Don't know how many of you remember the Garden of Eden? That God designed the Garden of Eden. He put in place, He put in place the birds, the vegetations the plantations. He removed the ferment above the water from the ferment beneath the water. All of that was prepared quicker. All of that was ready before God made man. You don't get it. God prepares your blessing before he prepares the man. After all the oxygen was in the Garden of Eden, after all the food was set, after everything was designed in place for the man, then he said, let us make man in our image. And he began to form man from the dust of the land. Because he's a loving father. Which one of us with kids, with children, would have the child first before he goes and buys the children's bed? God prepares your blessing before he prepares the man. It's when he has prepared your blessing, he has got your bed ready, and when he now has you, he has a place to put you. He sets you in the place which he has designed for you. So your blessing is made already. Have no problem with that. Your problem is you. Your problem is you. I know God is just busy trying to shape us properly, help us to talk properly. Some of us are so rude. And we say we don't have the man, we don't have the woman. When the man came, you, you, 
we finished him. In fact, the, the, way, the, the way they lift people up with their eyes these days. God is preparing you, telling you don't walk by sight, but walk by faith. He's shaping you and molding you and trying to make you perfect so you can fit, so you can fit into that blessing. That's why I can't be poor. That's why I'm not poor. Because poverty doesn't fit me. I've tried it on. It didn't fit me. My belly was too big for the shirt. It wasn't designed for me at all. That scripture says we need to be concerned. Sorry, we need to fear, not be concerned. Lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest and we won't be ready for it. Let's be honest as Christians. If we are really, really concerned about that scripture, church will be packed every Sunday. If you are concerned that the blessing which God has for you hasn't arrived, you will come to church every Sunday. Believing that that Sunday is yours. You won't wake up in the morning and say, oh, today is the only free day I have. Uh, should I go? Should I not go to church? I'm not sure. Should I? What's it, what's it saying outside? It's raining. Oh, no. It's too cold. Ah, no. If you're really concerned about that blessing, every morning you get out of bed, listen, I need to go. Ask my wife how I drag everybody to church on Sunday. I don't care. I don't look at your face. If you like, you are crying. I don't care. If you walk in or I drag you to church, I'm dragging you to church. I need my blessing. And I can't miss my class. I can't afford not to be here. I can't afford not to be here. I never know when he will give it to me. I want my attendance sheet to be impeccable. I was looking at my son's attendance sheet. My wife attended the, the teacher's meeting on Thursday. And I saw good, and I said, well, we take this boy to school every day. Why is it good? <laughs> what do you mean good? There was outstanding, there was good, and there was poor. And he puts him in good. Why? But he comes to, you, the teachers not see him every day. If it was me, I can understand. But me, I used to boycott classes back in the days. But this one, I drag him to school. We... People might think we are silly as, as Christians. That we wake up every morning saying we got to go to church. Of course we are silly, aren't we? Aren't we? If silly means God uplifting us, I'd rather be, I'll be foolish. We wake up every morning thinking, listen, my blessing might be on the way today. I jump out of bed. If every Christian has that mindset, or if they know the scripture, church will be full every time. So that we don't miss out on our blessings. 
In this scripture here, Paul says unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. That the word preached did not profit them. Now, everything I read in this text contradicts another text. The text that says, my word has it sent forth and it will not come back to me until I've done that which he is, unto which it was sent out to do. But this text here says, the word did not profit them. The word preached did not profit them. The word in Genesis that said, let the waters, the ferments above the water, be separated from the ferments beneath the water, it profited. The word that said, let the sea come no further, it profited. The word that said, let there be smaller, smaller lights and bigger lights, it profited because even when darkness came, they shine, the light, the moon shines, the stars shines. The word always profited it. But in this case, it says the word did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith unto them who heard it. So is it possible for me to come to hear the word and not it profiting me? Yes. You can come to church every Sunday and hear the word and still not profit. Because that word says, not being mixed with faith. Unto them who heard it. Now look at this. God said to Moses, go down there to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Tell him to let my people go. That they have not worshipped me, they have not served me for over 400 years. Let them go. And so he sent lies, he sent flies, he sent frogs, he turned the water into blood. He says, I'm not joking with you, let them go. Let them go. He took all the money, he raided the, 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 the central bank of Egypt. He took the gold, he took the silver, he took the diamonds, he said, let them go. When Pharaoh chased them into the wilderness, God opened up the Red Sea. They, they went through and he drowned all of Pharaoh and his 600 chosen chariots. At the bottom of the Red Sea. Let them go. When Miriam saw what God had done, she took up a tambourine and she played and danced and glorified the name of the Lord. meant serious business he wouldn't have done all of that just for them to die in the wilderness God fully intended for them to go through the wilderness into the promised land so that the word may profit them he did all of that let them go he gave them quail to eat clapped his hands and the quail came. He gave them manna in the middle of the wilderness. It was like God was trying to show off for his girlfriend. He was saying to them, listen, I'm bad like that. I'm bad like that. I'm awesome. You stick with me. I can do anything you want. I'm awesome like that. 
I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can think of or ask for. I got it like that, boy. That's the soul of God I am. Stick with me. He gave them the quails to eat. He gave them manna. When they got to the tainted um, sea, the tainted waters of Mara, is it Mara? He turned the bitter waters into sweets. In the daytime, he provided them a cloud of, of a pillar of cloud. That was the first air conditioner we heard of in the scriptures. By night, he gave them a pillar of fire to keep them warm. To keep them warm. He provided them with bread. He delivered it to their doorsteps even before Amazon even came into the picture. That's where they got it from. In fact, he designed it for their family, for each family. It was specially designed. All they needed to do was just open the door, open it up, and eat it. He did all of that for them. All of that. Listen, they took all the blessings, but yet they did not believe in the one who sent it. The word didn't profit them. And I've come to grow up to understand that it is the goodness of God. You know, growing up in, back in the 80s and early 90s, people would preach the message of fear to get you to be, to be a Christian. How hellfire is so, so out of fear I became a Christian. But I've come to understand that it is the goodness of God. When you look back at your life and see all what God has delivered you from, when you had your back against the wall, when the people plotted against you, people set traps for you, how God made them fall into their own traps. Some died in their own traps. And God made a way for you. Honestly, it is the goodness of God that should make you run to the altar. Say, what must I do to be saved? They ate everything, and yet they did not believe. I'll close shortly and I'll close with this example and I hope it makes sense to all of us. God's word is his seed. It's his sperm. Now the sperm is potent. It's strong. He says, I am the all-sufficient one. And if you're not having any blessings, any babies, it's not him that you need to check. Because his seed is strong. He says, his, your faith is your egg. If the woman does not ovulate, he says, there needs, your faith needs to come together with his word. For it to mix together, for it to profit us. That your faith needs to come down. That as often as the word is shared, the word is strong. His word is strong. But your faith needs to come down to mix with his word for it to profit you.
2019, our faith shall be increased in the name of Jesus. Can we just bow our heads for prayer? Ask the Lord to increase you. Ask the Lord to increase you on all sides, in your faith. As you've heard the word, ask the Lord to bless his word into your heart. Let it form with your faith. Let it mix with your faith. 